0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Uh, we're looking at character. We're looking at character for the first three weeks of this year. Why? As we are learning last week in its significance, that our actions are always betraying our good intentions. Uh, the, the things that we uh, want to do, we're not doing. Um, and the things we are doing, we don't want to do. And so uh, our actions are always betraying our good intentions. Uh, the other reason why as a church we've come to realize last week that Jesus' revolution in the world is not a revolution of institution or of ideas or ideology, it's actually a revolution of character. Jesus changed the world through changed characters and he continues to change the world through changed characters. So it's character is at the heart of everything. Here's the other thing that I realized, I don't know about you, but have you ever gone to those self-help sections in Demix, or Angus and Robertson or or any of those bookshops and you've looked at them and there's been a book there that sort of attracted you to it. It's, yeah, I've got to to get that book. And what I've realized for me is uh, any of those uh, self-help books that say that I've got a whole heap of potential in this area means that I actually have none. That's why it's so attractive. Uh, You know, like I've... uh, I've I've just got to do it. And I don't know about you, but we come to this realization, this frustration in ourselves is there is a gap between who we are and who we want to be. And we see that gap happen all the time in our character when it comes to some of the things that Paul describes here love and kindness and joy and peace and patience. our actions are always betraying our good intentions. So the question tonight then is, if we look last week at the significance of character, now we're looking at tonight the substance of character. At the heart of it is, well, you know, what is character? What is character? Ways you could talk about character is, uh, character is who you are when no one is looking. Ask anyone that's married, they'll tell you. Your spouse is really good at seeing who you are when no one's looking. Your spouse is very good at telling you, who you what your character is. Another way to describe it is, Character is the long-term, consistent revelation of your will. That's another way to describe character. The long-term, consistent revelation of your will. And that's why we as uh, adults, we try to be clever. We try and hide the depths of our will and what it is is really about. And we put on faces and masks. And and yet Jesus right, said, um, out of the mouth comes the overflow of the heart. Now is he being poetic? No, Jesus gets what character is. It's, it's, let me put it another way: character leaks. You know your your will and your thoughts and your emotions and your your social interactions. um, Character is to those things what water is to a sieve. If you get what I'm saying, like a a sieve can hold water for a a little bit of time, but eventually the water leaks through, and so our will, who we are, at the very center of who we are, eventually leaks through. Another way to put it is, uh, character. Your character to the world is what that funny, slimy trail of a slug is to a leaf. Right? It's 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 what you leave behind once you've left the room. You know, your character to the world. <laughs> your character to the world, right? If you leave a, it's the difference between leaving a garbage bag and a bo- bouquet of flowers in the room. You know, the fragrance left behind is reflective of the fundamental nature of what you were dealing with. (laughs) You got the point? That's what character is. Character is what you leak to the world. And you're always leaking to the world. (laughs) How honest are you really? How confident are you really? How joyful are you really? How pure are you really? Uh, We're always leaking. So that's character. But now the question is tonight, what is the difference then with Christian character? Because it's one thing to talk about character. All people have character. Hitler had character. Mother Teresa had character. So the question is, which character is good character? Uh, and I don't know about you, but I just sense we live in a culture where there is a great amount of focus and, and, and understanding that character isn't important, but it's, there's a great amount of confusion about what makes up good character. I mean, is it, is it what... Aristotle said you know uh, justice and prudence is it do we go back to Aristotelian ethics if there's something to put you to sleep it's that at night time trust me and Do we look at Aristotle who talks about these things and they're saying they're good and, and pure you know which virtues whose morals which virtues and what people are really asking is not what are good morals and virtues what they're really asking is this they're asking which character if I am to develop one is best in tune with my intended purpose as a human being. That's what they're asking. Like, imagine that you're, uh, imagine I took a, how do you say it? Tajhua? Taj is it Tajhua or Taghua? I don't know. I'm a pastor. I'm never going to own one of these watches. <laughs> <laughs> but like, imagine if you took a, 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 a Tajhua. They're one of the fancy watches, all right? They're just think of a fancy watch. What if you took a fancy wash, watch and you used it as a doorstop? I mean, Would it work? Yeah, probably yes. If you could jam it in there tight enough, it would work. Is it what it was designed for? No. And in fact, it'd be a travesty to use something like that as a doorstop. And so my question for you tonight is, how do you know whether or not the many decisions you are making to form your character are leading towards you ticking away as your intended purpose, or it's creating a life where effectively you're a doorstop? You're out of context. (laughs) You're not there for your intended purpose. And so, this is where Christian character is different. Here's what I mean by Christian character. The first thing Christian character is to assent to a truth beyond the traits. Assent means to agree or acknowledge, um, to, to assent to a truth beyond the traits. Uh, you know, we could argue that aren't the, the virtues of Aristotle and the great philosophers, aren't the things that we see in this passage, love is patient, kindness, envious, not boasting, not proud, not rude. If you go back and look at all the Greek philosophers, you'd find a lot of similarities in these things. And so are we, are we saying you know, that, that um, Christianity, Christianity is radically different in that way? Um, no, not really. The, the traits that someone like an Aristotle come up with are they're, they're good traits, but the the funny thing is at the end of all of his philosophizing, you know Aristotle comes to the end of all of his 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 ethics and he says eventually, what i can't tell you is how all of these good things interact and weave together as the best way to live. He says, if you want to work that out, that is the realm of philosophy and so The challenge underneath all of that is what makes Christianity different. Christian character is an assent to the fact that these these truths, these good things, they're not only good qualities, but they are in fact qualities that are fundamentally aligned to your intended purpose. In other words, the difference in Christian character is it's to agree with an ultimate truth that says this is the best way to live. When Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are burdened and wearied and i'll give you rest you know for my my yoke is easy and my burden is light what jesus is saying is my way of life is just simply the easiest way to live by the way easiest doesn't mean the laziest way to live in fact to live like jesus is probably the hardest way to live when he says easiest he means this is the way that is the most in tune with the realities of the world like his case study you ready class uh Take out your notebooks, call the Bible. Um, Imagine, like, look at verse 4 to 7 onwards, and let's flip these traits on the head. Imagine that Paul is trying to teach us here the opposite of what he's saying. He says, let's just hypothesize for a moment that he says, okay... Uh, here, go build a character where you have a character that is impa- impatient and a character that is unkind and a character that's envious and a character that's boastful and a character that's proud and a character that's delights in evil and a character that's sceptical in truth. Let's imagine that Paul is hypothesizing in that direction. I guess what I'm wanting to know, is there anyone here tonight that would argue that that is the best way for the human person to live? Anyone? No, it's, it's, it's common sense. You know, the Christian character says all of these things love, you know, kindness, patience, not envying, not boasting. It, it's saying these are good things in and of themselves, but they are aligned to an ultimate truth that says if you embody these, this is what makes you flourish as a human being. Let me use a mechanical example. My car has a character. You wouldn't think about it. Actually, some of you have cars that have got character. You know, they're from 1976 and they hardly make it down the street and like a Herbie the Love Bug or something like that. I'm not talking about that sort of character. My car's got a character. It has a demonstration long-term pattern of behavior. Like if I push down the accelerator, it goes forward. If I push the brake, it stops. If I turn the engine on, it runs, it, it moves. In, in fact, it, it rolls all the time. And it rolls long distances all the time consistently. It has a character. Now, what happens if I go to the petrol station and I go and place diesel fuel into the tank? You see, because there's a manual in my glove box that says that, we all sort of know this in cars, but the manual actually says that the way that it was designed is that it should be a unleaded petrol only in the manual. But what happens if I go and put diesel in the tank? Will it run? Probably, from about 5 or 10 k's before the diesel and the sludge comes up and, and clogs up the and the whole engine will seize here's a question, if it's true for your car, then why are you not more careful to input things into your tank that is congruent with your design? If you think a car is a complex thing, just look at the human being, your will, your thoughts, your emotions. You know, take lying for example, we lie all the time, it's like putting diesel in the tank. You'll run for a while, but, but you'll seize up. Christian character is saying, look, these things, love and, and kindness and not envy and not boasting. Look, it's not just that these things are good, but they are true to your nature as God intended them to be. Now, Let me take a, a break for a second. and I want to divert for a second here because there'll be people here tonight that, you know, they're, they're going to be the modern ones, the real thinkers, right, here tonight. They're going to be saying, Sam, you know, how can you say that there is an ultimate truth about human character? You know, who are you to say with your Bible there that this is the ultimate way to live? You know, the, the thinkers will say, well, what is truth anyway? What is truth, right? Like Pilate, you know, and Jesus Christ Superstar. You know, what is truth? Unchanging laws? Are my truths the same as yours? You know, we live in a world, right, where truth is relative. A lot of people think truth is relative. And so we ask, what is truth? And I don't know if you've noticed, but if a politician or an academic says, well, what is truth? They're really well thought out, right? They're the smart ones. We're thinking, what is truth? And yet on the other hand, if, uh, if, you're, if you're down at Manly Beach and it's a 30-degree day and your five-year-old kid has run off with the keys in the middle of the day and you've said, honey, where, tell me the truth about where you put the keys and your daughter turns around you and says, well, what is truth, mummy? You going to put up with that? There's there's no way that would go down. Um, you know, let's look at it another way. Look, if 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 a brain surgeon, for example, a neurosurgeon, they're the last person that you want to be relativistic about truth. <laughs> you want them to know the realities of the brain and where to cut every single time. What is it with us in our modern society that we think that we can twist truth around and bend it? Because Truth is always the matching of an idea to reality. If I think that the broom is in the closet and I go in and I open a closet and there's a broom, it's true. And true, truth is the same wherever it turns up. To put it another way, truth or reality is what you run into when you're wrong. What have you run into so far in regards to human character? And we say, oh, you're talking about an ultimate truth about human character. I bet, I bet all of us have run into some, some of God's realities of character along the way. What I'm saying tonight, the substance of Christian character is to trust that there is an ultimate truth. There is an ultimate operating manual. The same way it is for my car, that, that is there for how human life is meant to be lived. That's what Christian character is. Now, some of you are going, well, hang on, You know what is character? I thought you just said it's patience and kindness, it doesn't envy. Isn't that right? Yes, it's, but it's only half right. You know, these, these, things, these things, they're only half right. And I want to show you that, that they're only half right because here's the second thing tonight about Christian character. Christian character is different, not just in the marks of the character, but the method of the uptake. Not just in the marks, but the method of the uptake. Uh, let's uh, look at verse 3 again in 1 Corinthians 13. If I give all I possess to the poor, and I surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. It means, the translation there is, I count for nothing. It amounted to nothing. I, I count for nothing. There's, it, this, there's a way that you can approach these things here. And I think I've said this once before to you guys, at least in the night service. But, but what, you, what Paul is saying here is, it's possible to MacGyver your heart. Right? For some of those that were born in the 90s, you, you have missed out following a guy that I think is really only second to Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> you know, you thought Jesus could work some miracles. Wait until you saw this guy, this guy MacGyver. If you, if you haven't heard of MacGyver, you've got to come see us after the service. We're going to point to Jesus and MacGyver because this guy, you know, he, he just walked around with the countryside with a pocket knife and he would always be able to get himself out of some situation. You know, he'd always just have a pocket knife and there'd be a bunch of tree branches and a bit of gaffer tape stuck, gaffer tape, uh, stuck in a bush and he'd come out with an aeroplane. You know, that, that was, you know, water into wine was nothing compared to what MacGyver would do. Yeah, look, uh, Paul's saying you can MacGyver your heart. You know, MacGyver was always taking things and he was duct taping it. And he was, he, was stitching, he was stitching everything up from the outside and just making do with what he had around him at the time. And that is the difference between religion and Christianity. You can MacGyver your heart. The modern th- person thinks, oh, I'm going to be a Christian. It's 2015. It's a new year. I'm going I'm to start this behavior and I'm going to stop that behavior i'm gonna i'm gonna take this up i'm gonna i'm gonna put all my will i'm gonna focus all of this stuff on what are you doing you're just, you're just duct taping these traits to your legs you, you're macgyvering your heart. c.s lewis once said that jesus didn't come into the world to make bad people nice but dead people new. totally different method of uptake right it's, it's about the method of uptake with these traits. So back to Aristotle. Courage, liberty, generosity, honesty, friendliness, modesty, justice, prudence. You'd, you'd almost hear them in the Bible, wouldn't you? Are they, are, they, are they bad things? No, they're good things. But if you look closely at them, you never get to the heart level. And that's what Paul was saying. When he says, if I do all this but I, I gain nothing, what he's saying is you can build your character from two totally different motivations. You can do it for you and you can do it for God. What he's saying is that you can be the sort of person that is trying to build a good character and be radically generous and radically loving and thinking about, you know, think about giving to the poor, reaching out to people. If the reason that you are generous to someone is is because at the very heart of who you are is to have a sense that you count, then Paul says that counts for nothing. Can you see the difference how there's two totally different ways that you can approach these things? Christian character is different in its approach to God. And what does that mean? It means that you're supposed to know you count when you're a Christian, and you're supposed to know that you're accepted by God before you do anything. And so now you operate out of this fullness and this wonder and this beauty and this goodness. Character is is about your approach to God, and so Paul's saying it's very it's very possible to get really Christian-y in your behaviour and to get really involved and to get part of all the great things that you do in church and serving but and, and not recognize the absolutely fundamental upside down way that christianity works when it comes to character you're not supposed to be out there helping people out of some way of meeting this inner vacuum but operate out of a fullness it's in the method of the uptake let me paint it one last way if if i'm dying of dehydration would you agree that water is a good thing for you, you know, i'm not a medical doctor but i think that makes sense and I can see some of the doctors. I've got the nod of approval. There's Shannon over there. I'm, I'm clear. There's Chloe. I've got it. All right. Now, the question is, I die of dehydration. Is, is water a good thing? Yes. Uh, okay. If I'm dying of dehydration and then I start rubbing it on my skin like sunscreen, is it good for me? No. It's, it's one thing to assent to the truth that water is good in and of itself. We all agree with that. But if you don't combine that with the right method of uptake, then it's totally useless. You see, when when the Bible, when Jesus talks about building character, what he's saying and why Christianity is so different from the rest of the world is—and we'll 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 preach on this next week. John fifteen, he's saying, God says, "I want to go intravenous. I want to get this in. I want to get this into the system." And you can't treat this stuff like water being used as sunscreen. And I hear this all the time. I see this as a pastor. I see this. people come to me and, and they sit in my office and we talk this stuff through and they said, Sam, you know, I've, I've had, look, th- that part of my life, I'm, I'm letting go, but it's, it's a new year and God is good and God is faithful and, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to try harder and, and I, I've drawn boundaries in my life and, and I'm just not going to do that anymore. What, do, what are you doing there? You, you're just rubbing the water on Guys, are you seeing it's about the method of uptake? We'll process that next week in John 15. But but it's not good enough to come and just approach these things from the outside and to MacGyver them into your life. So the question is, as we finish tonight, how do I operate out of this fullness? How do I operate out of this sense of inner change? Now what you'll notice here is in verse 4 to 7, uh, you, you see, when you read through, have you noticed how... When Paul's talking about love, there's sets of verbs. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. He's, he's saying it differently. Another way to put it is love suffers, suffers a long time with patience. Love shows kindness. Love does not burn with envy. It does not get inflated with its own importance. It's never rude. It's never ill-mannered. Rather, love joyfully celebrates truth. It gives all kinds of support. It never loses faith. It never exhausts hope. It never gives up. You hear that? Now, it, Paul is personifying love, is the literary example of what's happening here. Now, is he doing it just to be poetic? No. Why, why is he personifying love? He's saying you'll never become a person of love or of character if you treat character as a principle because character is a person. (laughs) In other words, if you want to understand the heart of Christian character, you need to understand the character at the heart of Christianity. Paul's saying character is a person. If you look at these things as principles, what are you doing? You're just, you're MacGyvering these things to your legs. But when you see it as a person, guys, look at Jesus. Go home, read. Just read Matthew five for an hour and see what comes out of the mouth of that guy. He he says, "You've heard it say, you know, do not murder." But I say to you, don't even get angry. He, He says. You've heard it said, "Don't commit adultery," but I say to you, don't even look sideways. You know, even the great non-Christian philosophers of the world have said that this guy tops the cake in terms of the height and the wonder and the beauty of his ethics. There, there is something amazing about Jesus's sermon on the mountain. Don't just look at his at his teaching; look at his life. Look, look at look at how he was. You see, how do I put it? We. We don't we don't read the Bible with the 3D glasses on. Have you guys been to a 3D movie lately? Yeah. I, I went to one the other. I went and watched Lord of the Rings again in 3D, which is one m- way to make you feel a little bit sick by the end of the movie. The, the other way to make yourself feel sick in a 3D movie, as I discovered, is to, is to not watch it with the 3D glasses on. Have you guys ever done that? <laughs> a, part of the challenge is that um, you, it's, you can actually watch the movie. Without your glasses on. It's, it's very fuzzy. It's very fuzzy. Uh, you'll, you'll still understand all the audio and you'll still get the plot line, but you'll finish the movie with a headache. Did you know you can read the Bible exactly the same way? <laughs> you, you can read it through eyes. You can read it without the 3D glasses on. And you'll still get the plot line. The picture will just be fuzzy and it'll give you a headache. <laughs> you, you, do you want a pair of 3D glasses for the Bible tonight? Look at verse 4 to 7 again through the lens of the cross. Where do you see the ultimate example of love is patient? Where do you see the ultimate example of love does not boast? Where do you see the ultimate example of love keeps no record of wrongs? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Where do you see the ultimate example of love does not give up? Father, not my will but your will be done. You see it through the lens of the cross. This character, this character of Christianity is the guy that Aristotle was looking for. The guy that takes all of these wonderful, good, and virtuous traits and weaves them together in obedience to God to demonstrate to you and I how the human life is truly meant to be lived. This the cross. It stops this whole process of character chains becoming principles because it's personal. Christianity is the religion of personal pro- pronouns. You know, Jesus came for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus lived for you. Jesus went to the cross for you. It's personal. And as a case study, you look at him on the cross. Father, forgive them. On the cross, was it easy or was it hard for him to say that? It Was easy. Why you know what he's doing at the cross? You know what he's doing when he's saying that He was leaking he was leaking that was his that was his character that was the long term consistent revelation of who he was. He wasn't thinking that up and dreaming that up. Ah, uh, you know, would you ever like a character like that in the middle of a torturous crisis <laughs> that's just that calm, that poise? Anyone want that character? <laughs> You know, the good news of the gospel tonight is that you can have that. That's the whole point of why we're doing this series. You can have that if you understand the substance and the nature of Christian character. You know, as I finish, some of you here, if you're really involved in church, you're going to spend a minimum 200 hours serving here over the next year. I don't sound like it's so dreadful. (laughs) Where's the joy church? (laughs) Woo! No, but in all honesty, you're going to spend 200 hours serving here. I guess as you passed, I'm just asking, how much time are you going to spend studying the character of the character in the center of Christianity? I want us to get this right this year. How how do we do that? Some takeaways. Look, uh, I, I got Dallas Willard's Renovation of the Heart. We're going to put a number of copies of that in the Pillinger Library beginning next week. That's a great way to start. You know an even better way to start, rather than reading Dallas Willard and all of his philosophy there? Start with the book of Matthew. Start with the red letters. Start looking at this character called Jesus Christ. That's where we understand Christian character and where it comes from. Um, How do we get Christian character? That's for next week. So um, you're going to have to turn up then. It would be great to see you back here. I want to look at how all of that works. So in the meantime, let's pray.